Hi, Dr. Phil Flox here, also known as John Billingsley. I volunteer for the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific meals to the unhoused seven nights a week. We assist a hundred nonprofits with their food needs. We work with community partners to address food insecurity in Southern California. If you're in LA, come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org slash volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Bandsets as its presenting sponsor. Bandsets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Keep listening for a special discount code. Good on your next order at fansets.com. Just for discovering Trek listeners, fansets, our pins have character. (laughs) Captain Freeman's leaving, Rutherford's malfunctioning, and the Cerritos is taking it all off. It's time for an amazing season finale of Star Trek Lower Deck, so jump in the turbo lift. Hit that down button, folks. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek Lower Decks. Thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe companion presented by Fansets. Episode 10, First First Contact, gave us an amazing Season 2 finale and the very first cliffhanger in animated Star Trek history. Lots to talk about, and we want to get right to it, so let me introduce my esteemed crew right now. Rank doesn't mean anything here with this group. We are all considered the lower decks of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. want to welcome back Sarah, Casey, and Bill. Guys, just a fantastic season that shows just how great Mike McMahon is at writing for this season. So, Sarah, how you doing over there in the Canadian area of the world? Oh, great, eh? Oh, so good. <laughs> Hi, Bill. Casey, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. I'm glad we all rank the same. We do. We're all we're all lower deckers, Bill. I'm just kidding. I just spent a long time recording with you earlier today, so I just saw you a little while ago. But it is always good to see you here on uh, Discovering Trek Lower Decks. Thanks, eh? Uh, wait a minute. You're in Merrimack. That? Oh, <laughs> sorry. It's my Canadian heritage coming to the fore. I oh, apologize. that's true. You, that's true. You do have some of that in there. Yeah, so as we talked about a minute ago, first first contact season two finale. We're all very disappointed. Uh, that the season is over, but we're very excited because it was a great episode. So uh, I can't wait to start with the discussion. But before we do start talking about the episode, Bill, why don't you tell our listeners how they can get in touch with us to give us their thoughts on First First Contact. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Sure, sure thing, Dan. So listeners, we definitely want to hear from you and what you thought about the season finale of Lower Deck Season 2. And even the season as a whole. And the best way to do that is to get yourself the Trek Geeks mobile app for your iOS or your Android device. Download it and tap the more button for a whole bunch of ways to get in touch with us. And while you're at it, you can check out our brand new app exclusive shows that you just won't be able to get anywhere else. Head to trekgeeks.com app to get the details. Plus, you can join the most positive Star Trek Facebook group there is. It's Camp Ketimer, and it's the official Facebook group of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. It is so easy to join. Head on over to the Book of Faces, search for Camp Ketimer, answer a few quick questions that are so easy, Casey even figured them out. 
and we're going to let you right in to take part in all the fun and the positive discussion. Just like Casey, it is incredibly simple. So simple. And a big thank you to our <laughs> wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark for the amazing job they do running the camp. Please remember, though, that any comments or messages you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. Dan. Nicely done. See, I would have screwed that up because I always do. You did I a know. fantastic job because you're awesome. Black alert. Black alert. Before we start our discussion, folks, we want to warn our listeners that this episode of Discovering Trek Lower Decks does contain spoilers. So if you haven't watched the season finale of Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2, stop listening right now. Head on over to Paramount Plus or wherever you watch Lower Decks. Watch the season finale, then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that will put you at high risk to find out plot developments and character details for first, first contact. Spoiler alarm. Spoiler alarm. I like it. I like it. We're going we're gonna to turn that into a thing next season. Um, so speaking of next season, we're at the end of this season. So it's really not oh, talking about no. next season at all. But it's sad. Ten episodes. You know, what are the days of 26 episodic TV episodes in a series? Ugh. It's sad. It's a good old it's, days. I'm missing, I'm missing That's that. how you wind up with episodes like Aquiel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Rewind's got to do that. I'm specifically saving that for a live Rewind one day. <laughs> oh, that'll be interesting. That'll be fantastic. Uh, so lots, lots to talk about in this episode, and I'm not trying to, you know, move us forward but i just want to move us forward i gotta say one thing <laughs> right i'm gonna start right off the top you know first she spilled hot chocolate on captain picard and she was a nervous bumbling engineer now she's a captain way to go sonia gomez there is hope for me yet bill it was great to see her there were some some rumors of her showing up to do some voiceover work uh earlier before the season started she's captain of a pretty nice looking starship man she really is. I'm really kind of digging that starship. I actually like that better than the Excelsior on which it's it's designed. Um, it's just got those nice sovereign class lines. It looks pretty hefty. Um, I just never liked the rounded nacelles on the Excelsior glass. Yet I digress. Good to have Sonia <laughs> Gomez back. Um, we knew that she was coming back um, based on an interview that the actress gave earlier this year. Mm-hmm. She kind of accidentally spilled the beans. That comment Oops. went away. But we knew it was going to happen, and I thought it worked really well here. It really did. It was good to see that they were uh, Freeman and, and Gomez were friends back in the day. Um, and, of course, it plays a critical role in what goes on with this episode. This episode, it does have some seriousness to it. But, Sarah, what did you think? I have a question. A question. Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited... Which episode of TNG was the chocolate hot chocolate spilling? Can you remind me, please? It was Q Who, if I remember correctly. It was the oh. episode where the, the Borg were first introduced because yep. she was all freaking out mm-hmm. about the, the people yes. that were killed. And, and Jordy started yelling at her. And so, yeah. Oh, so man. Q-Who. I only saw your comment earlier today, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I remember this character. I didn't ever. See, this is why I need to be on these multiple. Because rewind, we don't even talk about Star Trek half the time. So I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but you guys actually pay attention and know stuff. And I learn something every single time. This is amazing. It would have been would have been great if she'd actually had hot chocolate in the shuttle bay. That would have been at awesome. some point. Yeah. 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 Or if she had yeah. it like, you know, how Sulu had coffee on the bridge of the Excelsior. If she had like hot chocolate next, you know, on her little like captain yeah. chair, that would have been kind of. Yeah. Didn't totally. Su- Sulu have tea? Tea, coffee, uh, whatever, uh, dude. 
Okay, some of us watch the episodes. <laughs> that was an actual go. movie, so just saying. Thank uh, God you're on a podcast network called Trek Geeks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Trek kind of know. So yeah, so she's captain of, uh, of a starship that is going to have first contact, and of course this turns into a whole big theme for the episode of the danger that another unknown anomaly comes up. I can't say anomaly too often too well, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, But a great episode. Had a lot of stuff going in, a lot of character development, as we've seen the entire season, which I thought was was really pretty cool. And I will say one of the things that was most interesting to me, Sarah, um, was in the episode, it went by so quick. Let's talk about Rutherford for a second and the fact that he kept having, he has to delete his own memories, which is a little scary in itself. But at one point, one of these memories seems to be that his implants were being installed for maybe less than okay reasons. And I'm thinking section 31, and I'm definitely saying that this is going to be a plot point next season. I think you're totally right. I found this whole lifestyle that he's forced to live to be like, horrifying and ironic uh, as a as a senior government records analyst yeah i know the importance of deleting files and and doing proper records management and to think that he has to do this on a daily basis for his life i feel bad for the guy they gotta fix that he shouldn't be running out of space i i i could use some of that storage for memories bill you really could can yeah. i just say that that aspect of the episode really kind of made me tear up a little bit because he really was in an emotional distress on what mm-hmm. to do with mm. those memories because he didn't want to lose them. He values his friendship with Tendi so much that he made duplicate copies just in case. Triplicate? Uh, yeah, yeah, triplicate and, copies. Yeah. So, and Casey, that's one of the things I was going to say is is he's scared that he's going to go through that again and lose those friendship memories with Tendi. And that I got to admit, Bill, you're right. That's an emotional part of the episode. Yeah. Casey? Yeah, I'd say because now since he was backing them up three times, did he get rid of all three backups when he did the the, the purge, or just kept one set of backups so that he could create new memories and and build off of that? And I don't know. Shouldn't he have some kind of USB port that he yeah. can plug a thumb drive can he in? Upload and to the computer later. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean you would think technology, you know, twenty fourth century and all. I would no. hope so. I would hope so. There should be more space when you're out in space. Truer words, yeah. never spoken. Thank you. That's I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. You're <laughs> definitely the smartest of the four. That is for Most sure. smartest. <laughs> Most smartest. <laughs> Bill, what do you got? What do you got for, for stuff that you liked about this episode? Uh, Can I just say finale? that Mike McMahon really knows how to write the hell out of a season finale? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he. I'm pretty sure he wrote mm-hmm. last year's. He wrote this year's and... The pacing and timing of this is flawless. Um, there are no wasted moments in this episode. And it, it's just, it's a joy to watch. It, like last season's finale, it's a mini movie. Um, yeah. With the exception of that whole cliffhangery bit at the end, which I'm really excited about. Um, there's a lot that happens here, right? It's mm-hmm. a testament to the script because it's tight. If memory serves, <laughs> little Star Trek title there. If memory serves, wasn't he working on this finale when we talked to him? on the podcast last year? I don't know. I'm out of space because of my primary, secondary, <laughs> tertiary, and, and secondary, tertiary backups. I'm not yeah. sure. Okay. I, th- I, think it was t- I think he was talking about he was writing the finale for it. So that's kind of cool, but well said. Well said, Bill. I like it. Um, let's, let's talk about what you just brought up for a second. And Sarah, I'll start with you. Um, 
a cliffhanger. We have a cliffhanger in a Star Trek animated series, and it was a cliffhanger that was completely unexpected from what you thought could be the cliffhanger, and it worked on every possible level. This was anyway. this was more cliffhanger than the movie cliffhanger with Sly Stallone. I mean, this was mm-hmm. this was great. That's a movie, right? Did I make a good reference? Yeah, no, you, you, made it. It. you made a great yeah. I was going to say the latest episode of Sesame Street is probably a better cliffhanger than the movie cliffhanger, but that's just me. Wow. No, really? this was, this, this, the thing that left me with this episode wasn't just the fact that like there's, there goes the captain and it. it was the complete left turn from what we were expecting. It's the fact that when we come back to this ship next season, season three, it's going to be a whole new group of people. I mean, we're going to have possibly Ransom as captain. We're going to have uh, freaking Jennifer as maybe the new friend hanging out with the group. Like, you know, and Tendy's going to be maybe like looking towards hitting up the, the senior staff there. So not only are we going to be missing the crucial captain, but we're everyone's going to be jumbled around in a new positions. And it's going to be really... It's going to be really... I'm really excited. Like, this is a great... This was a great cliffhanger. And Casey, don't you think that'll work if they do that? They did that kind of at the beginning of this season when they were on the Titan a few times, and then that kind of just went away. I think that this type of cliffhanger with what Sarah just talked about, about the possibility for the beginning of season three, opens up a whole lot of possibilities for a crew that we're already familiar with. Oh, yeah. It changes a bunch of storylines. So you keep things fresh. And I think, like you said, I mean... I think we'll see a resolution with Captain Freeman within the first couple of episodes next season. But you just start keeping new threads going. So as as you close out certain other things, you open up more new possibilities. And it's, you know, hey, what's yeah, what's going on with Jennifer? Okay, is Tendi now going to be on the bridge all the time? What's going on? Boimler, let's face it. I mean, he drowns to save his crewmates. So once again, there's another thing where Boimler is showing leadership potential. So then what's going to happen with that of all these things going on? And I mean, I love how the producers and writers of the show don't give us what we feel we want. They give us what they think works best for the show. And I appreciate that from them. Yeah, I I agree with you 100%, Casey. I mean, this season, this crew has had to learn a lot about working together. Several of those episodes have had different team-ups, which have been great. It's had them all coming together, both lower deckers and upper deckers, and then together as two groups working toward a common goal. And next season, they're going to have to work together to to exonerate Captain Freeman. I think that's really what it's going to come down to. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that storyline, because as I talked about a few minutes ago, it was very unexpected to see what happened with the finale, uh, with Freeman being arrested, pack-led planet destroyed, and I'm going to throw a curveball out there to you guys. I'm kind of wondering if this is some kind of a deception and that it really was not destroyed. Section 31 I talked about earlier with uh, regards to Rutherford is maybe Section 31 involved with what's going on here. I got to say the guards and the officer that was in the ready room or, or in the observation lounge was a little shady to me. I thought it was a little strange. Maybe it was just Federation security being the way they are. Um, and are the Packlids really still a threat? Are they really destroyed? Uh, it's, it, I mean, there's all kinds of things. They didn't say anything definitive in that final scene before the to-be-continued splashed on the screen. So uh, there's all kinds of possible things that could happen. Casey, what do you think? Oh, yeah. You, well, good for them. You do that to keep things open. So as you're writing, 
the next few months you're not you're not cornered in anything um i i don't think it's a section 31 thing i think the packlids maybe blew it again where they tested the one bomb and they go well we'd want to see what this bomb would have done on earth let's see what happens here and there's just not i mean they're not intelligent as how they're portrayed so you could see what's going on if, and then it, the the security officers i just saw them as being security officers it's like okay hey i got orders to, to bring you in here's what's happening i'm not going to give any emotion to anything it just come with us okay sarah let me ask you this in regards to what casey just said so the the packlids are this big threat at the end of last season and they're a threat all through this season does it take away anything if they were stupid enough to blow up their home planet, even though we've always talked about how stupid they are? No. I think it would no. actually be really fitting. I don't like the idea of the Packlids being an actual threat, personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not a huge... Fa- like, you know, it's, it's Packlids. Bill, Meh. what do you think? In the words of Bill, the mo- Let's ask the most Packled person <laughs> of the bunch. Bill, what do you think? Oh, hey. oh, 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 I quit. Oh. <laughs> I, I, that only hurts because there's a little bit of truth in it. And I'm not going to lie. Um, I kid, I, I kid. I think the Packlids are just dumb enough. Um, you know, I, I think that, that any group of people that have just enough information and no skill are, are dumb enough to do anything. And I think the Packlids are, are a great example of that. I, I, I can believe that they blew up half their planet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if the Klingons could do it through mining and blowing up Praxis, I can believe that the Packlids have a much lower bar with a Verubian bomb. Do all of you think that the storyline with the Packlids is over, or do you think it'll continue in some form? Or do you think they're still a threat? Let's put it that way. I do. Yeah. I, I, because they're still ships. Um, they're going to okay. want revenge. Mm-hmm. Sarah, <laughs> Whatever you're, they you're call it. Yeah. As well. yeah. Yeah. yeah, they'll, okay. be, they'll be back. Okay. Yeah, you know what? A, you know, threat. it's a good. You know thread. what was disappointing in regards to the Packled threat is we were all gung ho about seeing um, duplicate Boimler and Riker and the Titan again in the finale, and uh, and uh, was that disappointing for you guys that we didn't see that, or do you think it held up enough with what was going on and all the uh, curveballs and shocker moments that they threw in with this episode? Absolutely, just, wasn't needed. It would be yeah. a repeat. You repeat yourself. Yeah, True. just knowing so that they're out there. That's mm-hmm. good. You can't go back to the well too many times with Riker or else it's going to yeah. become the Jonathan Frake show. Well, that's true. Um, yeah. And <sighs> the Cerritos crew needs to demonstrate that they can stand on their own. I think they're evolving to the point where they're going to outgrow their secondary status. Yes. And I think that this episode was a great you know, sort of harbinger of that down the road. But they've got a lot of work to go. Listeners, we want to take a moment, as we do each and every week, to thank Fansets for being our exclusive sponsor here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. It's been a partnership that everyone here at Discovering Trek loves being a part of. The quality of pins is top-notch, the customer service is one of a kind, and Lou, John, and the entire Fansets team are not only great partners, they're great friends. Yeah, that's for sure, Casey. And they have new and awesome pins being released all the time. Your horror fans will love the new collection, which includes Jason, Freddy, and more. You DC fans will want to get your hands on the newest Firebrand or Alexander Luthor Jr. And even Aqualad pins. Yes, apparently there is an Aqualad. And of course, you Trek fans can add Admiral Vance, Dr. Jillian Taylor, and Monster Maroon Admiral Kirk to your collection right now over at Fansets.com. And as always, you get to save money each and every week just for being a Discovering Trek 
Lower Decks listener. Get Bill some aqua. <laughs> Get him a glass of aqua. Quick. I need Aqualad to come save me. Uh, just head on over to fansets.com. Place Aqualad and Monster Maroon, Admiral Kirk, and Jillian Taylor, and all of those pins that Dan mentioned in your cart, along with a whole bunch of other stuff. And enter the special discount code word Lower Decks. That's L-O-W-E-R-D-E-C-K-S in all capital letters with no spaces. That's going to get you 10% off your entire order. And don't forget that U.S. customers will get free shipping if you spend $30 or more. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the exclusive sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. One of the things that I found a little eerie, but really cool at the same time, and this is going to show you how twisted I am, and you already, all of you already know this, but the removing of the outer hull on the Cerritos. I really thought that was a great story point. I really loved how it was a callback to, to Star Trek First Contact when, when they were uh, trying to um, demagnetize the, uh, the deflector array with the, with the little devices that they had to pull out and turn. But was it just me? When, when all of the um, pieces of the hull were coming off, all I could think of were those things that we used to see in school books of like a skull with the musculature still showing on a face with like all the skin peeled off. That's what I saw when I saw the Cerritos. Bill? <laughs> I can't wait for this response. I, can't. I, I think you're prefacing your comments pretty much have said anything <laughs> that any one of us would want to say. I don't know. Um, weird. What is wrong with you? <laughs> He's the guy that drinks too much at Star Trek Las Vegas and goes to the bodies exhibit and then sees the ship. <laughs> Oh, that is writing that down for next next year. That's at the Luxor. Uh, putting uh, that down right now. I've never been there. So it's, a, it's actually going to be at Bally's because that's where it was last year or two years ago when my wife and I went. Really? It's, yeah. it's a traveling body. It's at the host hotel. Oh, look out. Dan, go do that, but be eating beef jerky while you see that exhibit. <laughs> Okay, I will definitely do that. I, I, I don't know. I, I just thought it was. I thought it was cool for one thing. It was. It really was very cool. cool. That, but I just think I about just that. Yeah. So smart of them to come up, Ruffethard, to come up with this and to execute it. And they show once again, like you're all talking. They are the entire ship is becoming uh, better. Yeah. They had of eleven hours to do it. They do it. You know. Then piloting manually, piloting through this stuff doing everything that they can possibly do and they succeed and so i mean what a great finale and at, and at the last second they get that last panel off which is where i want to kind of i don't know if wrap things up is good about our discussion about what we're talking about but let's bring in that one thing i think everybody wants to talk about a little bit is is you are we already mentioned that boimler pretty much was ready to sacrifice himself to save the ship to get that last panel demagnetized and in order to do that we were introduced to the newest race in star trek the dolphin people or just dolphins not a fan i did (laughs) that did nothing nothing for me i'm very sorry to say they didn't serve any kind of porpoise whatsoever Oh, boo. <laughs> best line of the night. That was best better than any farkism Dan has ever oh, come up with. Man. <laughs> I typed that wonderful. in caps lock so I wouldn't forget yes, to say did. it. Very nice. I, I don't know. Bill, what do you think? We, we've been, you know, 
I understand, you know, you want to have that drama, and but the whole area of the ship that you can only swim to, and and they're they're a race that doesn't have hands that they can do things that people with hands can do. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know. What do you think? I loved it, and there I know go. I'm going to be the only person <laughs> who did because mm-hmm. this is the payoff of a joke that's 35 years in the making. <laughs> yeah, yes, in the in true. the in the Star Trek: The Next Generation tech manual, you see on the Enterprise D Cetacean Ops. And people for decades have wondered, where did this come from? What do you mean? So there's like an operation center with dolphins and whales? Yep, that's exactly what it is. If you remember back at the beginning of the season, I said the running joke all season long should be, let's go to Cetacean Ops, and then they never show it to us. The only thing I'm bummed about is that we got it now and not at like the very end of the series. But <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. I thought it propelled the storyline. Um, could I believe there's dolphin crew members? Sure, why not? Casey, what did you think? Absolutely. I mean, part of it is for sure storyline to to make some real amplified danger of what they're already in and where Boimler's going to go. And you're like, you know, when he first snugs himself through that area and it's a little tight, but he gets to it, I was like, oh, that's coming back. Okay. Mm. And it's like, that's what, yeah, I mean, come on, fears for all of us. I mean, you're in space, so you don't have the spacesuit working, you're drowning already. But then for all of us here that are on Earth with water, drowning scares the sh- pardon me, the crap, crud out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. So I, like, I bought that right away. And you get hor- horny dolphins, you know? It was like, okay, the little bit of comedy there. And I know... Sarah, Dan, Bill, come on. Y'all love horny dolphins. Aren't those called uh, something else? Like uh, narwhals dolphins. or something? Yeah, I don't even know what the if, alien race is. If I love is horny magato, I've got to love horny dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I got to say, right now, just putting it out there, there better be a pin of those things pretty soon, fansets. Lou, you best get on your horse or get on your dolphin. Get on your dolphin. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I, I, you know, I, did, I don't know. It just, for me, it, yeah. it, it didn't work. It can't. I, was it shoehorned in a little bit? Maybe I don't know. No, I don't I, think I, so. I, I don't know. I just I, it just did you not weird. like? Did you not like the the comedy part of it? Because it's a very dramatic scene. I don't know. I you know that's a good question. I don't know. I'd really have to. I think I'll have to go back and watch it again to see if I have the same reaction. But I don't know if it was just the comedy thrown into a very tense scene, or the fact that the only way to get this to this plate on the hull is to go through an aqueduct in order to unlock it that can only be uh, gotten to by someone who can breathe underwater and the people that breathe underwater don't have the appendages to actually do it themselves so who the hell designed the ship to have it just in that spot well that's why it's a california class vessel and only used for second contact this doesn't happen on the d you know what i'm saying and boiler was boiler was doing fine until his helmet cracked well, well, that's well, true. Was it, but. was it a rip? I thought it was a rip in his shoulder where the, the water started coming in up into his suit. Well, I know his face can... mask cracked. Ah. Mm. I think it was both, actually, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, I, I don't know. It, just, it, it was just a little, it was a little different for me. Now, I didn't hate it. I just was like, eh. It, I, eh it sounds like it was too tropey to you. Too, like, like when the coincidences always happen in shows or a movie. I hear you on that. Dan, where it's like, oh, really? That person is 
just happened yeah. to be there or something. Right. Yeah. Right. I gotcha. Okay. gotcha. All right. I'm gonna, I will be watching it again, so I'll have to see. So what else we got? Uh, Sarah, anything else we want to add in, in, in terms of first first contact on your side over in Canada? No, it was it was a great episode. It was a great season. I'm so sad to yep. see it to be done, and I can't wait for the next one. So let's let's time warp into yep. the future for season three, please. <laughs> Absolutely, and Bill and Casey. Before I get to you, don't think that just because I didn't like the Dolphins part, this was a fantastic episode. This was one of the best episodes of the entire season. It was so great. It had so many great story points, but it was just that one thing that I was kind of like, eh. But Bill, what do you think? It's all right. We know you hated it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, sure. <laughs> Well, as we continually have to remind people, and because I mean, we get comments on when these episodes are posted in various places, especially YouTube, just because we don't necessarily enjoy a particular element mm. of an episode mm-hmm, or a story mm-hmm. doesn't mean we hated the episode or the story. Right. True. Um, I, I think we can all agree this was a fantastic season finale. Yes. Um, and we love the, the show. So, I mean, we every now and then we get called out for something like that. Like, you, know, you guys need, you know, I don't know why you guys hated this. It's like, no, we, we didn't hate it at all. We're just being honest about our feelings about things, and I, I think that's great, Dan. Yeah, it, it shows that we're not, you know, CBS shills or hacks or whatever. We have opinions. We can like things. We can dislike things. But like you you're said, not. <laughs> Casey and I are. Well, oh, that's yeah. true. I, I, I can see he got, he got the big CBS eye tattooed right on his head. Uh, but Casey, what do you think? Uh, any other final thoughts about uh, this week's uh, season finale? Well, the CBSI is my tramp stamp, so let's get that right. Okay, <laughs> oh, sorry. First off, but in this episode, let's—I really wanted to point out the amazing visuals of the Federation ships. That that oh, yeah. was fantastic. That looks more 3D animation to me, and I was like, oh, they're bringing it this episode. Mm-hmm. Loved loved that they did that. I love all the animation upgrades this year. Exactly, was, I was just going to mm, say, fantastic. I mean, even in, even just in the opening credits, the yep. uh, the upgrades that they've done were really something that stood out. So, uh, just another uh, hats off to the to the uh, post production crew and the animation crew over at uh, over at Lower Deck. So, another fantastic season. Season two is in the books. And again, I said last year that Lower Deck's first season was one of the best first seasons of Star Trek. And I got to say, Star Trek's Lower Deck Season 2 is right up there with, with, with the best of the Season 2s of all the Star Treks out there. So lots of stuff to digest over the season. Watch it again. Go to Paramount Plus. Have a great time and enjoy the finale and get ready for Season 3. It's not going to be for a while. So, Casey, no homework for you this week, man. But uh, now that another great season has wrapped, what's coming up next here on Discovering Trek? Oh my gosh. Listeners, we are thrilled to be welcoming the next chapter of Discovering Trek in the coming weeks. Make sure to join Mike and Emily Bovia as they ponder and talk about Star Trek Prodigy all season long with Discovering Trek Prodigy, premiering after episode one of the latest Star Trek series beginning on October 22nd. And just a few weeks after that, we'll all be back for Discovering Trek Discovery as we examine Season 4 starting November 18th. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by downloading the Trek Geeks Podcast Network app. Don't forget, you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. Get access to the unedited audio of all our podcasts and a lot of other perks. 
And boy, this week's is going to be a real joy. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look at <laughs> We want to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek. And we truly are so grateful for their support. Mike Bovia. Hey, that name sounds familiar. Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Julianne Jordan, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonagall, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. If you would like to support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, beam on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks, where subscription levels start at $2 a month. Dose. For even more great Star Trek discussion, please come check out the other member podcasts on the network. In addition to this show, Discovering Trek and its various iterations. <laughs> mm. We've got Lower Decks, we've got Enterprise, we've got uh, Discovery, we've got Prodigy. We have Rewind, hosted by Sarah. Polytrex five-year mission, Deep Space Pride, Infinite Trek, The Divine Treasury, and Sci-Fi Sisters. And of course, we welcome Drawn to Trek, Science Station 2, and with the first link to our network family as the latest additions to the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. You know, you can find all of our podcasts, including where to listen, by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network, no one talks Trek like we do. No one. No thank, one, I say. Thank I God. dare say no one. I yes. said good day. Good day. Well, everybody, another season has come and gone, and and I really think it's safe to say that Lower Decks has become one of the most complete Star Trek series out there, even after only two seasons. It's been an amazing ride with great stories, great callbacks, and great Star Trek messages. I just got to give a very special thanks to my amazing co-hosts of this show, Sarah, Bill, Casey. I couldn't have done this without you. You make it so much fun coming in here each and every week to talk about the episodes. I love getting your thoughts on every episode and had a great time every week, like I said. The four of us are going to be back to discuss every episode of Season 4 of Discovery, starting in mid-November with Discovering Trek Discovery. But before that, as Casey said, we hope you enjoy the newest Trek Geeks Podcast Network show with Mike and Emily Bovia as they bring you Discovering Trek Prodigy in just a couple of weeks. So thank you for coming along on this journey with us for Season 2. And until next time, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by 5-Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at 5yearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.